Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And as always, I'm not alone. I am joined by a beautiful woman who I call my wife. Her name is... Just Jen. <laughs> we are hawkers of hope today, Jen. We are. We are originators of optimism. Mm-hmm. We're going to be uplifting and inspiring. We are purveyors of positivity. Yes. Engineers of encouragement. I love it. What's it spell? Hope. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You doing good? Yeah. Got your works out? Works out? Out in? I got all my works out in. That's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not used to saying that. You got your works out in? I got all my workouts in. Well, yeah, me too. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's bittersweet. I'm happy and sad. I'm, I'm happy that you got me hooked on this damn Peloton, but sad that I can't give it up. (laughs) I know. You love it, huh? Yeah, I do. It actually uh, makes me sweat awesomeness. Yeah. Liquid Liquid awesome. awesome. That's yeah, right. It generates a lot of liquid awesome. Like more than when we go running, right? Yeah. Like seriously. It's just pouring off you. And I just feel like like my cardio is improving because of it, et cetera. It feels like a really good workout. And I like that I, you know, you don't really know what's coming. Yeah. And someone else new. has all figured it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beats the music and the pace and cadence and all that kind of stuff. And but yeah, it's good. Get on and go. Yeah. So I think when you get it done in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So here's the secret to hope. Okay. Get your exercise done in the morning. Oh my gosh, I've been saying that for like all the years. I know you've been saying it to me, and now we're saying it to everybody. Get yes. your exercise done in the morning. That yes. the endorphins, the firing, the feeling like you got things accomplished, mm-hmm. ready to tackle the rest of the day or take a nap, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people say they don't have time to do it in the morning. And I'm like, I get up at three o'clock. I have four kids. I got to get them ready for school too. And whatever they've got going on, whatever we've got going on, and we just make it happen. Like, I don't want to think about it all day. Yeah. I think the secret is go to bed earlier. Yeah. You know, like go to bed earlier. If you're going to wake up earlier, go to bed earlier. Yeah, we should but, note we go to bed at 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. You're asleep by 8. Usually I'm asleep somewhere between 9 and 10. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah. But I think if you do that, if you develop a routine, like mm-hmm. everyone's got the same 24 hours. Right. You know, like we've got a business. We've got kids. We've got all that kind of stuff. Same stuff that a lot of people have. But yeah. you just got to decide to make it. A priority, but I think that that's a secret to being positive and hope filled. Like mm-hmm. when you feel accomplished, right? At you start the day, and especially when you get something done before a lot of people are awake. Yeah. I know you know that. Yeah, you know, for you sure. get you get all your stuff done before most people have even gotten up yet. They're still so. sleeping. By the time I'm done, most of the world is. Still that's asleep. why you're a Viking warrior princess. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I enjoy getting up early to do it, but I feel like. It's actually really cool because I feel like I'm still sleeping while I do it. Yeah. And so you're, half, I, you're half awake I don't even know that I did it. And yeah. it's just done. It's great. <laughs> Better than thinking about it all dang yeah. day. I don't think about it. I just do it. That is not hope filling thinking no. about exercise all day. <laughs> all right. You ready for joke time? Joke time. I got a joke. Okay. You go first. Okay. I'm going to go first. Okay. You're going to like this one. I think you're going to like this one at least. Okay. I, it's not one of those complex ones. All right. <laughs> Why do cow... Wear bells. Wait, is what? it cow or cows? I know. Why do cows wear bells? That's I'm already starting off good, right? Um, Why do cows wear bells? That's hard to say. It's a tongue twister. Why do cows wear bells? <laughs> um, I don't know. Because their horns don't work. 
That's funny. It's kind of a food joke. Well, how is that a food? Because we're talking about a cow? Yeah, a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> right? I guess I can see how you make the correlation. Or steaks. Yeah, steaks, hamburgers, I ribs. don't really eat steaks, but I'll eat a in and out hamburger. Yeah, Super for sure. good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You, you, get, you tried to get me to have a burger the other day. I know. You wouldn't fall for it. You're like, Chick-fil-A? I said, no. In-N-Out? No. Look at Taco you. Taco Bell? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I came back from Mexico and had a craving for some sort of fast food or something. I don't know. Like, ew. Okay, you ready for my joke? I am. Okay. What do you call a train full of bubble gum? What do I call a train Full of bubble gum. Bubble gum choo choo? <gasps> Kinda. What is it? A choo choo train. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the right I was on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the right set of tracks. You were I was on the, the right track. You were on the hope train. I was on the hope train. <laughs> whoop, whoop. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, that was cute, huh? Yeah, I liked it. All right, I want to tell you about our guest, Jen, that we're going to interview in just a minute. His name is Michael O'Brien. He's written a book, My Last Bad Day Shift, and he's also got another book coming down the line. It's called Shift, Creating Better Tomorrow. So he's a two-book author. I know he's a speaker. He has his own website called michaelobrienshift.com introduced to us by our good friend Brian Falchuk and I'm excited to have him come on. He's got a story about an incident that happened to him about 19 years ago that changed his life and I can't wait to hear about it. You ready? I'm ready. Well, shall we get him on the line? Yeah, call him. All right, let's do it. All right, I've got Michael O'Brien on the line. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing Awesome sauce, Sean. Oh, so, good I, to be with you guys. <laughs> I love it. One of our favorite phrases, awesome sauce. We're awesome sauce today, too. Yeah. Just got uh, just got into the studio, had a great exercise regimen this morning, ready to take on the day, ready to storm the castle. Oh, okay. uh, Yes. I Very like it. good, sir. Very good. Yeah. Hey, in all fairness, I got that from Michael. That was a little pre-show <laughs> conversation we had, and I loved it. Storming the castle. <laughs> Is that how you attack every day? I, I, yeah, that's my intention every day. It's like, obviously it's borrowed from the movie, the princess bride and that scene that it's only a two minute scene, but in that scene, there's so much, there's so much goodness. There's well, there's so much awesome stuff in it. It's about, <laughs> you know, pursuing a passion, right? True love. What, what, what is not better than true love pursuing that. It's about coming together, like all those guys coming together in unity, like a little peloton, if you will. It's about resilience because they've fallen down. They got to get back up again. It's about overcoming doubters. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, will it work? Well, it's going to take a miracle. And so then they go, go have fun storming the castle. So to enjoy life and to have fun as you like go after true love together, like this, like that one scene to me, just like, captures it all for me so when i set my intentions for the day it's about taking advantage of every day that i have because i know truly now given what i've gone through that every day is truly a gift it's just not a it's not a cliche as so many people think it is yeah yeah and and i want to get into that because i want to i want to hear about your story and i know you have a message and i know the message 
is a message of hope, which we love because, you know, this is the Hope Radio podcast. And so let's dive in. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the event that kind of shaped and or changed your life? I think you say it happened for you, not to you. And I love that mindset. So uh, we'll let you take the floor. Yeah, well, thanks, Sean. And thanks, Jen. Well, it happened back a couple days ago. I celebrated 19 years of this anniversary of what I call my last bad day. I was at a company offsite, typical corporate offsite, come in by Monday, leave on Friday. And in between, they're going to torture you with PowerPoint and team building exercises. And I decided, as a lifelong cyclist, I was going to bring my bike out. I wanted to cross New Mexico off the states I've ridden my bike. And on the morning of July 11th, 2001, I came around the bend. I had this beautiful two-mile loop. I thought it was going to do 10 loops, 20 miles, be all smug, because I went outside and got my workout on with all my lazy colleagues. I came around the bend, and a Ford Explorer had crossed fully into my lane, going about 40 miles an hour, and I had nowhere to go. I couldn't react fast enough, and I remember the sound of me hitting his grill and the sound I made as I went through the windshield, broke through the windshield, the screech of his brakes. And then the thought I made when I came to the asphalt below as he like halted to a stop and that knocked me unconscious. And when I regained consciousness, I was surrounded by first responders, surrounded by EMTs. And I only, I, at that point in time, I knew my life was in question, but I asked this question that only another cyclists can truly appreciate or athlete. I asked the EMTs, are like, Hey, how's my bike? Mm-hmm. And they're like, they looked at me and they're like, your bike, don't worry about your bike, sir. You know, you're, you got to focus on you. And it wasn't exactly what they said, but it was how they said it. Well, I was like, Oh snap, this has gotten real. Like they're really worried. And I was in the worst pain of my life, but when they got really worried, I got really worried and I sat there, I laid there on the cool desert asphalt as the sun was coming up. And I was just thinking to myself, like the script, the script wasn't written this way. This is not how it's supposed to go. Like I was following the script. I thought I had to follow to create success my whole life. And I was like, this is not in the script. This is not part of the plan. And I remember just willing myself to stay awake. I was like, Michael, stay awake stay awake, don't fall asleep, stay awake. Because I thought if I did, I would lose control over the situation, as crazy as that sounds, because I had no control over the situation. And they eventually brought the helicopter and the medevac to take me to Albuquerque, the only trauma one center in the state, which I fought because I was scared of flying. (laughs) Even though I was fighting for my life, I was still scared of flying. It was like, the the brain is a fascinating instrument. And when they put me on the medevac, I told myself if I live, which I knew was in question, that I would stop chasing happiness, that life would be different. Because up until that point, I did a lot of chasing of happiness. You know, I'd be happy when I got promoted or got that new thing or made X amount of money or was able to com- you know, com- compete with the Joneses or keep up with the Joneses. I'd be happy when. So I spent all this time chasing happiness and any stress that I felt, and I felt a lot of stress given my job, I would just pack it inside and just pack it down and pack it down and pack it down. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So I'd like to think that the, the accident happened for me. 
sort of blew all that stress out of me. It gave me one massive pause button, one massive like reboot, if you will, for me to figure out how I wanted to show up for life in my career and just how I wanted to show up as we went, as I went forward. So let's let number one, I did just amazing story. I can, I, you described it in a way that had us visualizing it, yeah. you know, and I know in the moment it had to be so, so surreal because I, I know when those types of events happen, it's like time starts to slow down and like a second you can, you, you know, you can pack almost 10 minutes worth of emotions, feelings, you know, anxiety, fear, whatever in, in what seems like one second. So to have you, process all of that to have you come to the realization i can only imagine how scary it would be to have first responders you know feeling fearful over what they're seeing with regard to yourself so maybe you can just unpack a little bit more what physically happened to you uh broken bones like like what you ended up getting life flighted to the trauma one center like what were your injuries post-accident yeah it's a great question so broke um broke like broke my shoulder in a couple places. The big thing, because where my bike was, it hit the front of the SUV, like smack on. So broke my right leg in multiple places. Uh, the left femur shattered, and when the left femur shattered, it lacerated the femoral artery of my left leg. Oh my god! So that was the life and death situation. So here I was out in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, which was somewhere because the hotel was there. I was bleeding out eventually in, in essence. And the doctors told my wife later, they're like, we don't know how he survived. Had he been 10 years older or not in shape, he certainly would have passed away before he got to the hospital they shared with her because I had lost so much blood. So that first surgery, which lasted about 12 hours, and they didn't complete all the broken, you know, broken uh, surgeries that I had, all the broken bones. I needed 34 units of blood product during that surgery and I ballooned up. I was like, it looked as big as the Michelin man. I was all swollen because they put so much fluid in, in me and I had a massive concussion. I had glass throughout my body, scrapes, cuts, you name it. So I was not, I was not looking pretty. So, um, as, and then they, after 12 hours, they, you know, they did all they could. The vascular surgeon came out of the trauma center, trauma room, and told my wife, because she had flown from New York out to Albuquerque, which basically takes almost the whole day. And she was told, hey, listen, your husband's been in a very bad accident. We did the best we could. The next 72 hours are going to be critical. So off we go. And at the time, we had, you know, our two daughters were three and a half years old and seven months old, and she had our seven-month-old daughter in tow. And then reality first set in like, Oh my God, like our life just got turned upside down. So off to the ICU, I went and I spent about four days and change there. And then I came out of the ICU and I started learning more about my injuries. The fact that the driver had a revoke license, he shouldn't have been driving that day. At least that's what I was thinking at first. He should have never been on the road. And the doctors painted this really grim picture for me. He's, they were like, Hey, listen, you're going to have a lifetime of dependency, a lifetime of more surgeries, a lot of pain and suffering. You're probably going to walk very poorly with a lot of difficulty. You're probably never going to get back on the bike again. So this whole commitment, Sean and Jen and I made like, hey, I'm going to stop chasing happiness. 
uh, new lease on life, you know, the deal I made as I went on to the helicopter, all of a sudden I got really bitter and really angry and really frustrated and scared about what my new identity would be. So a lot of the emotions, what I love about your show is it, it popped up right when we needed it because we needed hope. So a lot of the emotions we felt as a nation in March and April about fear and worry and anxiety and who will we become? Man, I felt all of those in the early stages of my recovery. I had worry, I had fear, I was frustrated, but I was really like, wow, if I can't be who I was, who will I become? And the doctors painted such a grim picture that I didn't want to look there, but I looked there. And that's when I got, you know, I wanted revenge. I thought I got to get back at the driver. He harmed me. I will harm him. An eye for an eye. That's what I learned growing up. And I sat in that funk for quite some time until I had more of a shift, as I like to say, in terms of how I was looking at the situation as a whole. Thank you, number one, for for sharing and your your vulnerability and your description. I just am I'm in awe of. I, I appreciate it very much. You're very well spoken, and I appreciate how you're painting the picture of what you were going through. And I, I could see the the stages of almost grief, grief at the loss of what you knew your life to be, and the uncertainty of what it will be. You know, you're in a you're in a period of mourning and grief because you know it's changed. You just don't know how significant the change is or what that's going to mean for your future. And so the question that I had as as I was listening relative because I think you painted a great picture for how people as a nation right now were feeling and still feel with COVID, you know, because I, I feel like, you know, here we are in California, we're in the second stage of another of a lockdown with the chances that it's going to get worse. And so how did you come to the place where you rose above what I would consider to be those carnal revenge, you, you know, fear, you, you know, the, the weighty stuff that weighs you down. How did you get past that? What were the first steps of that? A great question, Sean. Well, it was, I give credit to one of my mentors. So he had called. By this time, I was flown back to New Jersey where I live uh, into another hospital. I had a two or three hospitals, so this was the second hospital. And he called, and I was at a low point. I had a lot of low, low points, and I was, I was venting. I was playing the victim. And you know what? No one faulted me at all. Like They're like, something horrible just happened to you. Play the victim. You have every right to play the victim. So they enabled it. And they were being kind. It wasn't like by any ill intent. But he listened to me. He said, hey, listen, can I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, sure. Sure, give me the advice. He goes, you know what? All the events in your life are neutral until you label them. Mm. And I was like, huh? I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. Right now, you're giving this whole thing the meaning of you're the victim, that poor you, that this all happened to you. But you can choose a different meaning. You can choose a different label because Everything is neutral until you label it. But you also have the power to change your label. That you can use this moment not to play the victim, but to rise up and be known how you're going to respond to it or by your response to it. You can tap into some of the resilience that I know you have in you, Michael, to show other people and to yourself that we can get through our tough moments. He, he knew this about me, that one of my favorite quotes is, and I learned from my little league coach when I was 10, uh, he would often say to us, hey, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Mm -hmm. 
hey, this is a moment where the tough guy get going. I was like, okay, all right, thanks for the talk. And that's, that was that's the great. opening where I, that, that was the opening where I was like, you know what? It, it, it ties into a little bit of Victor Frankl's messages and, and a lot of other philosophers. But I, that was the, just the door just got open just a crack to point my eyes in a different direction to say, you know what? All right, I can choose my label. And that's when I decided, okay, this day, July 11th, I'm going to label it as my last bad day. And that was the beginning. Because I knew this, that if I can go to bed every night and my wife and my daughters are still in my life, I can't call it a bad day. Like, because I have three building blocks that I know they got my back and I got their back that we can use to create a better tomorrow. There's like, there's hope. So as long as I have hope, I can't call my day a bad day. I'll have bad moments in my day, but I can't label the whole day as bad because I still got hope and I have them. I love that. I love that very much. I think that's awesome. I think that label piece, I think that that's a point to go back over because I think it's so valuable. Just your reframing, you know, it's like a reframing of a picture. Your reframing of it didn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. It happened for me. And if you own that, if you own the possibility that this is actually a blessing in disguise, that it actually is a good thing, that it could become a good thing, or that's the genesis of something incredible, then it really helps you to process what what's going on and yeah. to reframe it. I, I like your term label, relabel it, mm-hmm. you know, as an example. Yeah. How did your wife deal with yeah, all this? Oh, great question, Jen. Like a total stud. Like <laughs> As we talked about, like like awesome sauce, she is the secret sauce in my awesome sauce. Oh. She, you know, like her world got turned upside down. Here we are, you know, we had moved to New Jersey from D.C. We're two years up, three years up. She's got two young girls. We, we do like three and a half and seven months old. Mm-hmm. And her world, our world got turned upside down. And like she just was like, she went into like beast mode. She was just like, it's incredible. You know, the, the book I wrote about the day and the journey in a lot of ways, it's like one massive love letter to her because she was so, and she is to this day, she's so strong. And it was like in her element to say, okay, here's, here's the game plan. Okay. This is what we're going to do. And then she rallied a whole bunch of people around us creating like our Peloton of like, our recovery Peloton, which mm-hmm. included friends and families and strangers and you name it. But she, she had to deal with a lot. And, you know, and there were times where, although I had this aha, it wasn't a light bulb moment where the skies just opened up and I was like, Oh, now we have 30. It was a moment where it was three steps forward, two steps backwards. It wasn't linear. It was choppy. It was wonky, <laughs> but she was so patient. You know, she didn't necessarily know what to say to me at times. Yeah. And I didn't know what to say either. But we knew this, that we were going to try to figure it out together. As long as we had each other in our lives and we had our daughters, that if we kept the conversation open, we were going to find a way. Right. And you know, now it's been 19 years. And I did a little something on the 19th anniversary. I wrote 19 hours for 19 charities dealing with COVID right now. And my daughters were there. They were on the Peloton as I was on my other bike riding with me. And my wife uh, joined on the Peloton for the last 20 minutes of the ride. And it was just a really great like capstone to 
what the 19 years have been all about, that we've grown as a couple and uh, we've just grown as parents and, and just as people. Uh, and that, I think that's what you know can happen when we reframe our tough moments and understand that we're tougher. We can use them to accelerate who we are as human beings. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I think it's just incredible. Like, first of all, for you to take on that kind of ride challenge too. And I think you told me it was with Christine, right? Well, Christine did a couple. I did a couple. So the way I did it was Christine did a, a lot of sharing on the Peloton, on her page. But I did the ride on my normal bike on a program called Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. And then I did, I was following along on, on Peloton rides on the Peloton app. So okay. I had friends like joining a ride on Peloton. And I was on the app so we could high five each other. <laughs> and then I had friends on Zwift and we were high fiving each other. So it became this big virtual charity ride for 19 charities, which was like totally crazy. I'd never ridden 19 hours before in my oh, life. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts, but you know what? This is a crazy moment. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Let's do something crazy yep. for all those people helping others today. Cause I know this, that I'm only here today because so many people came to my aid during my crisis. Right. That's a great way to give back. I mean, I love that. 19 charities, 19 hours. How many miles did you end up running or uh, riding? Uh, about 300. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, oh, my yeah. goodness. I feel accomplished when I ride 15 in the you morning. You are a rock star. Like, that is, that's great. I can't even, I can't even. Did, you, did you sleep for three days after? Well, I definitely slept for the day after. Now, to be fair, I rode for like 51 minutes each hour, and then I used the nine minutes to sometimes change my shorts, you yeah, know, get a little yeah. sweaty, uh, fill up my water bottle, use the bathroom. So it wasn't like I was riding 19 hours with a catheter in me, right? So <laughs> it was, uh, I, I, I was, I, I was reasonable, I think, but yeah, 19 hours, I was, it was, like I, I got 16 hours into it. I'm like, Oh my God, I got a three hour ride still in front of me. That's like, nuts. <laughs> and, and there were, you know, it was just like, so, so crazy. But I, I wanted to do something crazy because yeah. this moment, this moment's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no one would have ever predicted this, but like I said, with my accident, I think COVID is happening for us. It's, shining a light on some of the things that we need to address. I think God, universe, whomever, they give us opportunities to show how beautiful we can be when we come together. And whether it's economic factors or health factors or with Black Lives Matter, those are three big, heavy things that are in front of us that, hey, I think... God, universe, reality, mother nature, whomever is saying, Hey, you know what? Hey folks down there. Um, I want to put a spotlight on this. You need to figure this out. And this is your moment. I'm giving you a pause button. Just like I thought the universe and God gave me that SUV to say, yeah, you might be doing fairly well, but you know what? If you keep on going the way you're going, it ain't going to go so well. So we're going to give you, we're going to give you a sign that you can't avoid. So to give you a pause, to allow you to connect with your breath and reflect on what do you want from this crazy life of yours? 
And I think that's what COVID is. This is at least how I'm reframing COVID for myself and those around me. Because if I feel like it's happening to us, then we get into victim mode and we just get angry. And we don't need more anger right now. We need more connection and love with each other. Yeah. We need connection, love, and hope. And I and I agree with that completely because I think I think that the beauty of your situation and what happened to you 19 years ago is that and I want to get to, you know, how long it took you to recover and, and then what the after effects have been, you know, like what, what are the bright spots that you can attribute to that accident as you live your life now. But setting that aside just for a moment and just reflecting on on what you've said and kind of that that the framing of the of the mindset, I think when you've been through something like you went through, Jen and I went through some like incredible financial challenges back in 09, you know, and and that recession back in 09 was really, really caustic for us. And it really wiped us out financially. And so having been through that and, and come out the other side and actually come out the other side with rocket fuel heading straight to the top, kind of a kind of a mindset, I think has equipped us to deal with COVID better. I think it's equipped us to understand that even though the valleys are big, the mountain the mountains are bigger. You know, the valley prophesies the mountain. So the idea behind that is the deeper the valley, the bigger the, the the mountain that you'll rise out of it. And I think that your point of of processing this accident and what happened, et cetera, has equipped you to deal with COVID differently and have a different frame of it. And that's what I want for other people. I want them whatever the maximum possible good that can come out of this situation for society and humans as a whole. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. So do I, 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 that as of, I, I live streamed the whole 19 hours and that was part of my message, Sean. It's like, like folks, like we've gone through so much in the last four months, please for the love of whomever, please don't tell me we're going to go back to how it was. Like, this is our opportunity to create, this was part of my mantra through my recovery, like work hard today, create a better tomorrow, which is now shorthand for just creating a better tomorrow. Like we've worked, we've gone through so much last four months. There ain't no way we're going back. We got to figure out a way to go forward. And the only way to go forward and create a better tomorrow is that we tap into hope. We have more connection. We have more love. And we fight the divisiveness that's out there, the victimhood that's out there, the hate that's out there. Like we need to like use different currency to get through this moment because we're going to get through this moment. Like I do believe that even though this moment is tough, we, we are tougher. Like we've been through a lot as humans over the eons. We're going to get through this moment. And that's how, you know, that's what I want to do is like touch as many people with the message of my last bad day because this is like one of these bad moments that could turn into a bad day or longer. And, and for me now I use this last bad day notion. It's the moment where you decide you're going to live your life differently. You get to choose a new script. You get to write a new chapter. And I think that's this moment for us that we get to write a new chapter on how we wish to live together and how we wish to be together for not only us who are here, but for our kids and their grandkids and so forth and so on. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think that that idea that you can self-reflect, I've heard people call this the great pause, you know, because it gives you a chance to self-reflect about your life and 
what path you were on and what you liked and didn't like and what what you want to change or not change. And so, you know, for you, how long did it take you to get to that point of positivity? You know, because I imagine it was a struggle. I mean, rehab, physical therapy, you know, like how long before you were writing again? And then how did, uh, did, did your faith play a role in that? Are you a faithful person? So how, talk about how that might have helped with your uh, recovery if, if it did. Yeah, so great question. So I got back on the bike in August of 2002, so about 13 months after. And I would say when I had my big aha where one of my big ahas besides where, hey, our events are neutral until we label them, is that I knew I had to get my mind right to get my body right. That as an athlete, a former you know athlete when I was growing up up until this point, mindset was so important. So I knew enough intellectually that I had to get my mind right. So that was the beginning of it. So I developed my first mindfulness practice and really gratitude played a role as well, all that jazz. So I had moments of positivity where like, okay, I got it, I got it. But then I would have moments where it's like, ah, everything is so difficult. You know, like just going to the bathroom or just being in the wheelchair because I was in a wheelchair for a while. Like everything took more time. And then you fast forward and I, I made a lot of progress in my rehab, but my left knee couldn't bend enough. And so I had to have a very risky, risky surgery. And I went through that. The doctor said, Hey, listen, this is really risky. What we're about to do. If we make a mistake in there in your left leg and by whatever means we make an injury to the bypass graft that you have, for my femoral artery tear, we're going to amp your leg above the knee. We're not going to wake you up from anesthesia. We're going to do it on the table. So you have to release us from that. So we had that surgery and I woke up in the recovery and I looked over my blanket and I saw, you know, 10 toes. I was like, all right, um, that surgery gave me enough flexion in my leg so I could continue my rehab and get back on the bike again. But I was really scared to get back on the bike because I didn't want to see how much further I had to go. I knew I had made progress from the, the depths I was at, the valley I was at, but I knew I still had a lot of that mountain to climb. And I was hesitating, but I had a good physical therapist who pushed my buttons and got me back on that bike. And once I did, it felt, it felt normal. That was like the one thing that felt really normal, even though I was a little choppy and didn't really have my balance on the bike that day. But I knew like that was the beginning. And that was, that helped me with my positivity that I knew I could just like keep on turning the pedals, keep pedaling, go a little bit further, go a little bit faster day by day by day. And you string a whole bunch of those days together, then you can make some success happen. So um, in terms of like faith, you know, so many people in the beginning, I grew up Catholic, now I sort of a lapsed Catholic. And so many people in the beginning was like, hey, God was looking out for you. And I'll be honest, I'll be really transparent. At that moment, I didn't want to hear that. I was like, God was looking out for me. I was like, right before impact, I think God was having a latte and a scone. He wasn't looking out for me. Because I, in the beginning, I thought, I thought like, if he was looking out for me, he would make this all go away. It was like, the truck would have never hit me. Because in the first moment, I thought it was happening to me. Like that in the beginning. Like this happened to me, I'm the victim. Over time, I've realized that, yeah, this happened for me. That this was exactly the thing 
I needed. So as I go out and talk, knowing that not everyone's faith-based, but, you know, whether it's God, the universe, Mother Nature, what have you, reality, is that so many things in our lives happen for us. I think they all do. It's up to us to put meaning to them. So now I look at it and I'm like, yeah, this really happened for me. It's helped me connect with so many people I would have never met. It's helped me show up as a role model to my daughters that, you know, to help them through this moment in time as they begin their lives, because now they're 19 and 22. It's shown them what resilience looks like within their family. It shows them how, like, how marriages can stay together, even if you go through tough times. You know, when the vows are tested, you know, in sickness and in health, right? Because you never think sickness is going to come. It's only health. So I you know, I look at this now. It's like, yeah, it's like totally happened for me. So, you know, God was, you know, God was looking out for me. He was looking out for me because he allowed this moment to happen because he knew it was going to happen for me. Yeah, or she, it. depending on your perspective. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like that, uh, what I was talking about beforehand in that if you could if you could shift your mindset to imagine that the biggest obstacle the biggest challenge the biggest fear that you have right now about life what if that's the biggest blessing in disguise you've ever received how would you frame that differently maybe you don't know that yet maybe it's going to take you 13 months or 15 or two years or whatever to realize that but you know there is there that possibility is there the possibility that this carnage whether it's financial physical you know mental or whatever of of what's going on right now what if it's the biggest blessing in disguise that you've ever received you know and and i think if you if you could touch that thought if you can you know play around with it if you could sit with it if you could actually you know adopt it then i think it's going to really really help you manage what's going on right now you know, but it's easy to say. I mean, somebody coming to you, hey, Michael, you know, like in the midst of your rehab and you know, frustration, oh, you just have a positive attitude. Everything's going to get better. And this is, this is awesome for, you know, I could imagine that you would not want to hear something like that. But I think what's great about talking with somebody like yourself that's been through something so significant and challenging and come out of it on the other side with, with a different perspective is that, that I, I think it allows the rest of us to imagine that better days are ahead. You know, that even though you went through a challenge, better days are ahead. This is just but a season. I love that, Sean. I think what you just shared, too. Like, in the beginning, people were like, be positive. And I was like, well, positive? What's there to be positive about? Like, I, I wasn't ready for that message. Yeah. And they approached me, the folks that approached me that way. And there's certainly there are people who are, are approaching others that way today is what's missing is the empathy to say, hey, you know what? I want to sit with you because right now you're hurting. Right now it's tough. And I'm not going to tell you to ignore what you're feeling. I'm going to sit with you in those feelings as uncomfortable as it is for me as as it is uncomfortable for you. And so I'm going to be with you for right now. But I'm going to also be with you as we go through this, that when you're ready, you're going to see that this is happening for us. So a lot of times I think, especially on the internet, there's a whole bunch of like, don't, don't feel that way. Just feel this way. And like, I'm going to tell you what to do. But so I, for me, it's more about how can we have an empathetic exchange with each other to say, Hey, you know what? I'm sitting with you because I, I know what it feels like to have pain and suffering and maybe loss of identity. I get that. I don't know exactly know how it is for you because only you do. 
but I know the whole general feeling of it because I've been there. And I will say this, that when the time comes as we go through this process together, I, I feel confident that you'll see that this isn't happening to you, but for you. And when you, when you have that aha, I'll be right there by your side and we're going to make that happen. We're going to take advantage of this moment because I believe that I'm only here today because so many other people were able to show up for me in that way that it creates, that it takes a, a Peloton, as I would like to say, to make life happen, to have success, to, to really understand like who you're riding with. Because life, you know, life is that personal responsibility, but personal responsibility without the right support system doesn't create the type of success that we really want to see in the world. I agree with that completely. You know, I'm, I'm interested. One thing that popped into my head that I forgot to ask you about was um, you had mentioned that the doctors had come back and told you that you wouldn't likely walk. You wouldn't like to do this. You wouldn't like to do that. And that is an echo of several other guests that I've had come on the show. And I, I guess I get so uh, upset and frustrated that those words are spoken over somebody, those words of certainty almost, or even the highlighting of the negative much more than the positive. So I'm interested in, you know, did, did what the doctors say to you, did that fuel you? Did it discourage you? And I just wonder why it's always, because people rise above these predictions that they make. And it's certainly many guests that I've had conversations with have risen above what they were told was going to be their life. So I just wonder why, the medical industry biases toward saying that in those situations, if it's, I, I just don't see very little positive coming out of it. I guess the only thing is they don't want to give you false hope, but you know, I would, I would say there's nothing false ever about hope. If there's a kernel that things can be better, why not speak to that? Words matter. Words have power. And what, what you say to yourself and what other people say to you has power. And so just interested in your thoughts on uh, that initial conversation that you had with the doctors and now reflecting back on it after 19 years and living the life you've lived, you know, like you could reframe it a little bit. Yeah. A great question, Sean. I think at first I definitely got discouraged, you know, in the whole spirit of we go where our eyes go. They pointed my eyes to something really bleak and keep in mind, I was hearing their words for the first time when I was in a very compromised state, I was on multiple drugs. I was in a lot of pain. I wasn't my normal self. So how I process things probably was also a little bit darker just because of my environment, right? The whole, the whole notion that my environment was shaping my thinking as opposed to my thinking shaping my environment. So as they painted a grim picture, it was so easy for me to grab onto that and go dark. As I look back, I think what they were trying to do was to lower expectations. They didn't want to give me any false hope. They didn't want someone to, you know, to come back to them and say, hey, Doc, you said I was going to be this good. You, Doc, you said I was going to ride my bike again and race again. You promised me this. Now I'm coming after you for whatever reason. You know, I think in some ways they were trying to like be ultra realistic around my my prognosis based on other people that they saw other people that had injuries, maybe similar to mine. But in that moment, like as you're listening to it, there's also like part of you that like, well, I'm not like everyone else, but as they go on, and I think this is such an important thing, whether it's doctors or leaders or what have you, 
is that to your point, words matter so much and how we say them also matters that we can, how we can remove all hope by just lumping us all together to say, well, yeah, you're, you're just like everyone else, Michael. Like we've seen this before. It's not going to be good for you. So that was the beginning. And then I had good people around me, my mentors and stuff, a really great physical therapist to say, Hey, you know what? You can do more. I'm going to push you. I'm going to make it uncomfortable. I'm going to help you shift your perspective. So your eyes go in a different direction. So we're going to go through some emotional labor. We're going to go through some physical labor because I see that there's more in you than you realize. Cause I think we need those people in our lives. So I, I think the doctors, that. I have a, I have a lot of love for my doctors because they saved my life that day. They put me in a position where with my work and my support system, I could be this person I am today. But I think they were just trying to lower expectations so it wouldn't sort of bite them in the tuchus later on. Um, but I had enough people around me to say, you know what? I see more in you. I'm pushing you. I mean, I keep on pushing you. And I think we need those people in our lives too. Yeah. And I think that's the makeup of a really good network or a good telephone. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, so I guess as we close out uh, the show, I'm curious, after having been through what you've been through, seeing what you've seen, you know, obviously there was there was seeds of change that were planted. There was you know, this idea that this happened for you, not to you. I guess I'm interested in getting your feedback. So let's say somebody's listening right now. You know they can't they can't see that message as easily as we now can. Maybe they haven't been through what you went through or what I went through, and so that perspective of you know these these valleys can really lead to big mountains after the fact. You know positivity, etc. But what would you say to somebody right now that is anxious, that's worried, that's fearful? Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's their house situation. Maybe they're worried about losing their house. You know, like what having been through what you've been through what would your words be to somebody right now that's fearing fearful, anxious, overwhelmed, et cetera, at what life has thrown them? Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's something else completely different, but what would your words be to them? Well, I would want to sit with them and let them know and, and recommend to them, like, Hey, feel what you need to feel. Cause we got to handle the things that we need to handle. And the first action would be to reconnect with your breath. And this is something I learned through my recovery. And I have a little thing called grabbing a PBR, which does not stand for Pepsi Blue Ribbon, but pause, breathe, and reflect, where when I got agitated, when the stress got percolating, I had to recon- I hit the pause button, reconnect it with my breath, just to slow everything down so I could be more reflective on what I was going to do and say next. So connecting with our breath is so vital in helping us process. And just sort of tamping down the stress hormones that are raging through our system when we're going through a moment of anxiety. So I'd start there. And then I would try to ask them and talk to them about in what ways could this possibly be happening for you? Most likely we'll get like, I don't know, it's happening to me, Michael, not happening for me. Then I would want to tap into, well, are there other times where you've gone through something really difficult? The answer to that is usually yes. What can we pull from those experiences to help us with help us today? And then I would also sort of examine like who's in your peloton, who's around you, who who can who can you tap into that can help you in this moment. So if you're feeling stuck, they're the person that will ask you that great question to help clarify things. 
if you need to be challenged, that's that person in your life that's going to push you just outside your comfort zone. If you need comfort in a crisis, you have that person. So who are those people for you? And what's one small step you can take? You know, for me, I judge my progress through one degree of flexion at a time. So it's like one little degree, like, and that was my rehab. So now I like when I'm feeling anxious or worried or stressed or however you want to say it, it's like, what's one small step I can take to get out of this? Because I know if I can put that one small step along with another and string them together, then we're going to make some magic happen. The last thing I'd probably offer up is, do you have a gratitude practice? And let's try to spend some time in gratitude. What are you grateful for in this moment? So when everything feels like we're going to hell in a handbasket, you know, who's in your life? You know, going back to my last bad day is my last bad day because as long as I have my wife and my daughters in my life, how can I say it's a bad day? So part of my initial gratitude practice was like, I got Lynn, I got my girls. I'm grateful for them. When I have them, I know I can create something better tomorrow. So I'd walk them through that type of process in the moment, but just try to be there with them, have have an empathetic exchange with them as opposed to telling them to resist what they're feeling because that's not going to help anyone in this moment in time. Yeah, great stuff. Great, great stuff. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. I think if somebody's listening right now, how can they connect with you? You said you, you wrote a book. Was it called Your Last Bad Day, My Last Bad Day? Well, it's called Shift, Shift. Creating Better Tomorrows. Shift, Creating yep. Better and okay. I have I have a second book called My Last Bad Day Shift. So those two books are available on Amazon. But the best way to get me would be my website, which is michaelobrienshift.com. And there we can connect like on all the social media stuff, but they can leave me an email. But happy to talk to anyone. I really, just like you, what you guys are doing with your show, I feel like this moment is part of my life's work, part of my purpose for surviving my accident to help people through what is a really bad moment for us. And I just don't want, I don't, I don't want it to gain any more fuel than it deserves so we can come out of it stronger and more connected and more hopeful about tomorrow. So whatever I can do to help people along the way, then I'm all about that. So it's Michael O'Brien shift S H I F T.com. You bet. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. I mean, this has been awesome. I think you've got a great, great outlook. I think you've got a phenomenal kind of worldview and process view of, of challenges and adversity. And I think it's a function of what you lived. I'm just so glad that the good Lord didn't take you on uh, July 11th, 2001. And I'm glad you're here to spread this message to, uh, to others. Very, very thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful for being here too. And thankful that we got connected by our good friend, Brian. So thanks for having me on, Jen. Thanks for having me on, Sean. Yes, you, you, you're so welcome. Thank you for uh, participating. All right, Jen, what'd you think about our interview, our conversation, our chat, our sit down with Michael <laughs> O'Brien? What an interesting story. Yeah. Like, that's like a nightmare. It is. That's your nightmare. That's the reason why yes. you don't ride bikes on the road. You are worried about textures mm-hmm. and you're worrying about getting hit. Yes. The reason why I do not run on the roads or ride a bike is because I do not trust other people out there. Yeah. I know that I'm going to, you know, run and stay in my bike path, but I do not trust other drivers or 
just drivers. <laughs> just drivers in general, right? Yeah. Other other bikers, other runners, runners pushing you over? No. No, it's just drivers. Like, I know you yeah. have a fear of being a hit, which is why the Peloton bike was such a great right. thing for you because you could ride and not worry about being yeah. hit. So treadmill, that's actually the reason why we ended up running on trails yeah. because we didn't, well, I didn't want to run on the roads. So, you know, I was going to, th- I was going to ask him, I was going to say, Hey, you know, how did that happen? Was somebody texting? And then yeah. I realized it was like 2001. Were oh. we texting back in 2001? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, yeah, good, just great. But what a great message coming out. It didn't happen to him. It happened yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, I loved his uh, PBR. Not, uh, that's not the drink. Don't no, pause, breathe, and reflect. I like that. I like yeah. that in the month. Pause, breathe. Breathing. Breathing yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Gratitude journal is a big deal for yes. hope. Yes. And not labeling things like, or waiting, Re- waiting, to, everything is neutral until you label it. So if I wake up and say, I'm going to have a bad day, then I'm going to have a bad day pretty much. Right. Yeah. You labeled it that. I labeled it. So be careful what you label things. Right. Yeah. But if you find out later that you labeled it wrong, here's the great news. You get to relabel it. Yeah. It's like one of those machines that spits out the little thing. <laughs> you just hit print and I got a re- renewed, restored, hope filled, yeah. you know, instead of discouraged, upset, angry. Yeah. You know, new, new, new label. I think, you know, again, I just, I just come back to it and I think I've lived enough life. I think you've lived enough life that you reach a certain point where you do realize that sometimes the bad things that do happen to us, um, there is a positive that can come out of that. But I think you have to have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. You got to be receiving and open to that. And it right. seems like Brian certainly sat in that. Took him yeah. took him a minute, like it would take all of us to yeah. get there. But once he got there, I think that's the reason where he's at now. Two book author, website speaker, etc., is because he's out there spreading the message that mm-hmm. yeah. Bad things can happen, right? But you can rise above it. You can you can come out of it renewed, refreshed, and even better. Yeah, and I actually liked how he had explained. Like in that moment, he's like, "God wasn't there." Yeah, you know, because I think a lot of people like when somebody passes or whatever, like, "Where is God?" Yeah, you know. So I think it was a great explanation of in that moment. You're like, "Yeah, why did this happen to me?" There's, I, you know, I just trust that there's a plan, and I may not understand it. I mm-hmm. may not know why it is the way that it is, but he can now reflect 19 yeah. years later, look back on it and go, wow, yeah, there was a plan. I mean, it really altered the course of his life. Right. You know, I've always kind of lived by the mindset of there's always good in the bad. Yeah. There's always good in the bad. You just, it, you might not know right then, but eventually you're going to figure it out. I think if you can stay in that mindset, that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the big thing. Staying right. in that mindset of, you know, resting in the promise that things are going to get better. There's always going to be a positive that can come out of the negative situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes easier said than done, but you're hearing it from two people that have lived that yeah. for sure. You know, we've been through our share of, uh, of stuff just like everyone else has. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready for my hope quote? Let's hear it. Hope quote of the day. Okay. I think it's very appropriate given our discussion that we had with Michael. Mm-hmm. Hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. Yeah. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You know, so like we don't, we don't really see it until we've been through it. Exactly. And when you've been through that adversity, then you then see you that see hope it. star. Yeah, yeah you, you, you see it. So I thought that A was really pro- star. That's cute. It isn't it? Yeah. All right. So how do people connect with us? 
You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. We're looking for more guests. We would love to speak to you. If you have a story about hope, perseverance, keep going, Sean. What else? Uh, overcoming, overcoming, triumph, whatever. Uplifting, Even if it, motivating. Yeah, could be you. Could be somebody in your Happy. family. Could be somebody that you know. Yeah. Send them our way. We need more guests. This hope train needs more guests to roll down the track. Yes. And then they also can listen to us on iHeart. Apple Apple Podcasts. Alexa. iHeartRadio, which was what you were saying. Spotify. Google Play. SoundCloud. Stitcher. I think that's it. Amazon Alexa. I said Alexa. Oh, did you? Yeah. So now we've just confused everybody. But but just, hey, all you got to do is say the, hope. The, the, the. You go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. All right. All I got to do is say Hope Radio Podcast, right? Yeah. On and, Amazon and Alexa. play. I love that. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. And it's so easy. You don't even have to search anything. You just get to talk to Alexa. I like that. Yeah. She's got a nice voice. And she mails packages to you. From Amazon. <laughs> did you know you can purchase off of Alexa? I did know that. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. I like that. You can be like laying in bed and be like, Alexa, I would like some new sheets. And they'll be at your doorstep. That's awesome. It's magic. What an age we live in. I know. That's I something love to it. be grateful for. I am grateful. For well, Jen, shall we do this one more time another day? I think we should. Hope Radio Podcast. We'll be back here same time, same place tomorrow. Choo-choo. Make it a great day.